So this is part one of a two-part episode where my friend Barry Page and I have an unscripted conversation. Not only is Barry a friend, he's an insurance agent and has been a practitioner at the Nelson Nash Institute for a very long time, many years. So we had fun and hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Bank of Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And today I have my friend Barry Page on here with me. He's very gracious to uh, to accept the invitation and make time out of his busy schedule to come and talk with us. And he's a joy. He's a very pleasant, professional, intelligent, salt of the earth kind of guy. And you need to know who he is and why it matters. Barry, thanks for coming on. How are you today? I'm great, James. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. And uh really excited about being on your show well let me tell you the let me let me share i mean we met at the think tank that nelson used to hold uh i think prior to even nni being organized oh yeah oh yeah and uh and you know you just uh i am attracted to people that are like-minded and pleasant and intelligent and so i liked you uh when we first met and you know, we've become friends over the years, although we don't see each other all the time. And um, I just think you're a really cool guy. And I think people should really sincerely know who you are and why it matters. So, Well, thank you, James. So and, tell uh, us about yourself, young man. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, so I'm Barry Page. I, uh, I live in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. So uh, uh, I'm a southerner. About uh, uh, they call it the dirty south down here, and uh, I couldn't yeah, tell by I, your accent. <laughs> so that's uh, I think that uh, really uh, is what uh, attracted me to you, James. When we first met, uh, you're just a good old Texas boy, and then uh, you know Nelson always uh, loved to uh, to talk about you, and so I was attracted to you, and then we just started talking over the years, and. Uh, through the think tanks and um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on here. Uh, as far as me though, um, yeah, I've been in the business. Uh, and when I say the business, the uh, insurance uh, business for about uh, going on twenty years now, eighteen plus years. And uh, you don't even you look know, that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I uh, uh, the the hair's been growing out. I keep shaving it and growing it and uh you know uh starting to kind of get get used to it i, I haven't had a, a mustache or beard my entire life so uh once uh kind of the covid uh hit uh you know i let it go and uh you know now the gray one seemed to want to come out is all that grows so uh but yeah thanks a lot i um i was blessed when i got into this business right after and and i had been highly recruited to get into the financial services business uh, but decided just to go in business for myself. And then, um, uh, well, tell, give us, go, go back. I mean, you were highly recruited to go into the financial services industry because of your previous work, I would think. Yes, yes, yes. I, um, when I was in college, my sophomore year, a friend of mine asked me to go sell books. And I was like, what is, what is that? And he said, we're going to North Carolina. And I said, man, that's awesome. So uh, I, uh, I look forward to that. I didn't really know what we were going to do. I just knew we had a chance to make some money and I was going to get to travel. Uh, I didn't even know where at in North Carolina. So I showed <laughs> up to, uh, we, <laughs> we were working for this company, Thomas Nelson. 
which all I knew is they were the largest Bible publisher in the world, but we were going to sell some educational books is what I was told. And uh, we'd get a chance to work on commission, which I didn't really even know what that meant, other than I had uh, thrown newspapers before and uh, I got paid on commission for that. And I had sold bicycles uh, was my kind of my first job. So they would give me a little bonus uh, commission for selling bikes. And uh, so uh, anyway, I showed up to sales school in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, in an old beat up Starfire, Pontiac Starfire. And I had my bicycle on the top and my surfboard and two skateboards in the back. And they said, where are you doing, boy? Are you going on vacation? I was like, well, I thought I was. And anyway, uh, that was the start of my uh, sales career, I should say. We started, uh, they took us uh, through a week of training and I learned a lot. I read a lot of books during that week. I had uh I, was a, I wasn't a very good reader in school, wasn't a very good student, but we sold books and I did that not only for that summer, but I ended up doing it for seven more summers and becoming a sales manager and a trainer and all that. I'd recruit college kids to go out and sell books and Bibles door to door. And we went to <laughs> numerous states over the years, but I learned a lot about life. I learned a lot about failure. I learned a lot about um, you know approaching people and communication skills. And so that's what uh, the employers at the time we were told were looking for was communication skills. So uh, I did that. And, uh, and then I recruited, like I said, other college students to go out. Now, now, now listen to this. College students, you know, like my kids just got out, you know, they're, uh, they're on spring break. Uh, my, my college kids aren't, and, and you got kids, you, you know what that's like, but the, uh, the college kids aren't even getting a spring break this year, but they're home and their classes are online. So uh, we are going to go on a little spring break. But uh, in the summertime, most college kids either, you know, go home, uh, they stay at school, but they, they get, you know, they take it easy. Right. So we were trying to recruit kids to go out and work. 80 hours a week door to door on straight straight commission <laughs> selling bibles right so um yeah that uh that was good though i loved it it was the best thing i, I still say to this day it's the best thing i ever ever did and i still tell people you know when they ask me what i do i say i sell books yep. just like i did back then and uh so uh that's what i do now is i just teach people about this book well, how did you how did you get introduced to that book? And well, let me ask you this: Did you know learning uh, sales and rejection and door to door? I would think the uh, rejection would be a little bit easier if you're selling Bibles, but I don't know. But um, no, you'd be surprised. Uh, they want to kick it. Like I I went on a mission <laughs> trip last year, and uh, I told, and we were we were giving away Bibles, yeah, right? Yeah, and so I. I busted up in there like, you know, well, this will be easy. <laughs> and we went to Hawaii uh, on this mission trip. So it wasn't a bad trip. Uh, we had to live, you know, uh, without air. You know, we didn't have the uh, luxury accommodations. But but anyway, we were giving away Bibles. Slumming in not, Hawaii. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, but believe it or not, people that, you know, they they lock the doors. They, you know, they see you coming. There's, you know, they don't. uh they don't want that. So right. uh, we would we would actually keep the Bibles or the books. Uh, we'd kind of hide it outside the door, or keep it in the car 
until we actually got invited. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then once they said, well, I'd say, give me a minute. Let me run out to the car real quick. So we'd run out there and get, get our book bag, we called it. And uh, so, yeah. It'd be like, it, it just, it would seem to me that, you know, rejection would uh, maybe uh, create a burning desire to read the Bible in between stops. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, looking hey. for inspiration. Well, you know, believe it or not, and, uh, you know, this this part of my testimony, but uh, I was actually saved on the book field. Uh, I, I, you know, I believed uh, in God and, and Jesus, but I had never really uh, been saved. And uh, I was sitting on a, a front porch step, actually a, a porch swing on a guy's front porch and uh, started showing him the Bible. And uh, he told me his story and uh, right right then and there. Uh, I, I, uh, I, um, accepted the Lord and, uh, he became my, my savior. So it was, uh, um, you know, a real learning experience, but that was my very first summer. And, uh, I went on to do it, like I said, many more years and then recruit after that. So yeah, it, it was different experience, but no people, uh, didn't necessarily open up unless they were Christians and they were, you know, uh, avid church scores maybe. And we had a great study Bible. Uh, and so, it, it was uh, it, it wasn't uh, you know a, a hard sell, but you mentioned reading the Bible in between. Um, you know, I, you want to hear that story? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love I love you. You know, knocking on doors, selling Bibles, and you're sitting on the front porch swinging the south somewhere, and some guy leads you to the yeah. <laughs> the Lord. Led me I to love the Lord. That. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, well, there was a guy that uh, you know came to sales school and uh, they didn't, um, he went up to the sales, here's the story I heard, right? So he, he the sales manager, my sales manager, sales director, he, uh, he went up to his office and asked secretary, you know, he said he wanted to, to come sell Bibles. And she said, well, um, you had to talk to Mr. Cruz, uh, sales manager. So um, he, she, he let him in, he said, come on in, he said, Sir, sir, I want to, I want to sell Bibles. And he said, "Come back again." And he said, "Well, I, I, I heard I, I can sell some Bibles." And he says, "Son, you, you, you couldn't do this. I, I don't know, uh, you know, if this is for you." So he, he left, and uh, uh, he came back uh, a couple of days later and said, "Sir, I, I really want to sell Bibles." He says, look here, boy. He says, I'm going to go ahead and, and give you some Bibles and uh, you can get started. And uh, and he, he gave him a box of Bibles and he, he said, you go out there and sell them. And he thought that'd be the end of them. So we had sales meetings on Sundays uh, after church and everything and uh, <laughs> get ready for the week. And a old, old boy comes in there and he, he says, need some more Bibles. He says, well, sit down. We're going to have our, our meeting. And so we had our meeting. He says, stand up. Tell us, uh, how did you sell all them Bibles? He says, well, I went up and knocked on the door and they said, well, uh, what are you doing? He says, uh, I've got Bibles. And uh, they said, well, we're, we're not interested. And he said, well, well, I, I could read it to you or you, <laughs> you can buy it. <laughs> so needless to say, he, he sold a lot of Bibles. And uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh so no, they made him manager, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he 
But that's uh no, it was it was tough work, but I loved it and uh, taught me a lot. You know, we we learned to deal with problems uh, when things happen as they always do. Uh, you know, just having to talk with Andrew a little earlier about about Murphy's law and uh, how something if something's going to go wrong, it will, and uh, it, it would go wrong. And we just had to learn to deal with it. You know, car breakdown. Um, we had to walk. We'd walk out in the country, and uh, no cell you know, phones. People tell us no. Pay phones, oh, no 30 cell, miles apart? No, we didn't have cell phones. Back. This is in the 80s right. and uh, early 90s. And uh, no, we didn't have cell phones. And we had to walk or ride a bike or, you know, we'd hear no. We were supposed to knock on 50 doors to get 20 people, 20 to 25 people to talk to us. And then, you know, uh, maybe 10 of them would, would, would listen to us. And then uh, uh, if we saw one to three, that was our goal the first year. So uh, it was just a numbers, uh, knock on as many doors. And like I said, if you knocked on 50, maybe you'd sell, you know, one to three that day. So the insurance industry looked at this bold young man selling Bibles, not afraid to knock on the doors and talk to strangers. And then they promoted, you know, the, the other guy that's like, I'll read you the Bible or you could just buy it. They promote guys like that to the home office. Yeah. And then they they recruit uh, guys like you that are not afraid to knock on the door. And I could see yeah. the financial industry, I'm just saying, recruiting yeah. you. Um, yeah. So tell well, us about that. Of, <laughs> yeah, not a, yeah, actually about, I'd say eight out of 10 people quit before sales school uh, was even over. Uh, <laughs> and then probably another one uh, quit. You know, so only about one out of 10 would make the whole summer. It was 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my, my second summer, the, it, it, it went 45 straight days in Macon, Georgia, over 100 degrees. So, uh, you know, we were always in the, in the south in uh, Bible Belt, they, they call it. You yep. know, the, the summer before me, they sold in Texas. Now, I never got to go sell in Texas, but they had some, some good stories about that. You probably sold more. We like the Bible. We're not ashamed of it. We read it down here a lot. <laughs> hey, same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so then you, did you get into the financial services industry? Did you knuckle under well, the recruitment? Well, personally, said, Boy, I Boy, you're selling Bible. You can make so much more money in the financial services industry. That's what they told us. That's what they told us. And actually, two of my good friends, my, my sales manager uh, that was a younger guy, he went on to work with Lehman Brothers. Uh, oh, yeah. And then my, uh, my actually roommate, uh, he went on to work for uh, Smith Barney. And, um, you know, so they uh, they were highly recruited and they did well. They're both still in the financial services business after 34. Now, one of them is coming gone after every crash. He seems to kind of retire and then he gets back into it. But uh, well, neither one of those Lehman Brothers crashed in, I believe, 2008, uh, 150 something year old company. Yeah. And then Smith Barney, they've been out for a long time. I don't know. Yeah, they they they, they, yeah. Solomon Smith Barney and Citigroup and Travelers and all that. um, They kind of made some changes. So a lot of these companies, you know, uh, merge and, you know, all of that, how they get together. Yeah. It's very profitable for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, let me reach back behind me here. I'm going to grab something. Here's here's really what changed, uh, I'd say, probably my life uh, is along with reading that Bible. When we went to sell school, they would give us three or four books every year, right? Paperback books. And this company, Thomas Nelson, not only were they the world's largest publisher of Bibles, but they were the world's largest publisher of self-help, 
motivational mm-hmm. type books, right? So Zig Ziglar, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, Dennis Waitley. I got to see Dennis mm-hmm. Waitley and, and Zig Ziglar uh, in a small room, about 20 people when I was 19, 20 years old. So that was good stuff. But I know you know this book here, right? Oh, yeah. The Greatest Salesman in the World, Og Mandino. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Og was a life insurance salesman, right? Most people don't know that. And Of course, this book here. Oh, yeah. The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah. So I keep those. And uh, and like there's my, my friend Dennis Waitley. He's uh, put that over. Move it to the left a little bit. OK. How to Win Friends. Yeah. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. yeah so and then, of course, this one. And this guy was a uh, uh, yeah. W. Clement Stone was one of his uh, uh, personal people that he trained, and of course you know about him. Uh, so, yeah, we started reading those books, and that really got me. Uh, again, I hated to read. I could not believe. And and you hear this whenever we ask them to read this book. What do they tell us? Oh, I don't read. <laughs> right? I can't read that. Yeah. And uh, you know, but there's something about a good book, James. Something about a biography and and real history which uh, we don't get that much of in the books today. You know, everything, science fiction, and, uh, you know, uh, I got some mad when my kids were in school. My kids, you know, they, they were in the uh, gifted reading stuff and, and go to the library and get them books. And it's just, just malarkey, you know, all this stuff. So anyway, I got addicted to reading with those uh, books there. And that's really uh, what, what formed that habit of reading. And that I love to read now. So I read a book a month at least now, if not more. Perfect. What are you reading? Right now, of course, I'm reading some financial books. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I tried to read read this one here recently, and uh, this is Ed Slot here. But yeah, I uh, I always keep a couple books on my desk and uh, carry them around, read them when I can. You know, I went to uh, about a month ago. Went to a little uh, K-pop store, you know, Korean pop, and uh, I bought a miniature How to Win Friends and Influence People hardback. Can fit in your front pocket. That's awesome. And so I bought it just, and a, and a couple of others, you know, and I bought it just because I thought it was a novelty, and and I'm read, reading it <laughs> currently. It could fit in your pocket. That's awesome. A hardback. Yeah. I thought, that's the coolest yeah. thing ever. If I ever write a book, I'm going to have one you know, produced in hardback that can fit in your front pocket. Yeah. So I've got a hardback version too, that came from uh, an old library that, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So how did you, how did you run into, you know, so did you get into the financial world or, you know? Yeah. So I didn't really like, um, you know, the first company that interviewed me, uh, over in new Orleans, I went over to, and it was more or less, uh, um, you know, like the Wolf of Wall Street is a big giant boiler room, they call them, you know, and everybody's in there on the phone and, you know, screens everywhere, stock market. And it just sounded like, you know, high pressure sales. And I, I um, you know, uh, people want, you know, they uh, they tell me times, uh, you know, and they think the book business knocking door to door is high pressure sales. But again, it was just numbers. You know, my approach was, hey, I'm the board from Mississippi, been talking to all your neighbors. Do you hear I might be coming by? And they'd say, no, we didn't know you was coming by. And, that, you know, and uh, I just go up and see them and say, look, I'm just showing folks these books and Bibles. Y'all want some? You know, basically is all it was. And, um, you know, so that uh, but but when I saw or got interviewed, you know, in the financial services, it just it seemed a little, um, 
you know, cutthroat. And it was all a lot of, uh, even the interview process was just like, you know, I, I don't know. So I didn't go for it. I decided, um, you know, I went back to work. I moved to Nashville to work for this company and I trained and recruited these guys. And while I was actually up there, uh, I decided to follow my passion, James, uh, which was uh, I had grown up. Uh, I, I, I quit playing sticks and balls about the eighth grade and I started riding skateboards and bicycles. And so uh, I lived in a you know Mississippi. There wasn't much going on as far as that goes. So when I moved to Nashville, uh, it was a much bigger city. And I, uh, I opened up a, uh, a skateboard park. Uh, where we did bikes and skateboards. And um, so I, I got out of the book business at that time. And I ran that business uh, for about 10, 12 years. Actually, it was about 12 years total, but we were open 10 years. And um, we were, uh, we had uh, just had our second child. And uh, my wife wanted to move back to Mississippi. Um, and uh, so, you know, having kids now, figured I've been raising all these kids on their bikes and skateboards. Uh, uh, you know, for all these years. And it's, it's ironic that uh, a lot of those kids, you know, were, we were thought of growing up as little punks on skateboards. And that's why most people looked at those kids, but uh, I enjoyed raising them. And now they're all adults. They're in their thirties and some of them even forties uh, now. And so it's really good to see, uh, communicate with them on Facebook and stuff and see that they've got kids of their own. So uh, that, that's good to see that they, they all turned out okay. And I think I turned out all right. And, um, but uh, anyway, when we moved back to Mississippi, I decided, what am I going to do? Well, I was able to sell my business successfully up there and uh, actually sold two businesses. And uh, I, I was an entrepreneur. That book business taught me about entrepreneurship. It taught me that profits are better than wages, right? Yeah. And uh, I, uh, th- that's what I learned, uh, you know, from all that. And, I realized that I didn't really want a, a job per se. So uh, I've, I've never really had too many jobs uh, where I worked by the hour uh, in high school and college a little bit. And I took one job right out of college for a short time, did work with a, a Fortune 500 company. But anyway, when I came back down here, I had to uh, I realized that I had to uh, do something, you know, I, I took a year off and I was like, well, I got to get back to work. I got kids to raise, you know, I, I can't retire at 35. That's what I was. And, uh, so <laughs> I was like, you know what? And I realized, James, it's a funny thing. You know, when you're not making money, what are you doing? You're spending money, spending money. And I realized that, man, you can drain that piggy bank real quick. <laughs> So I had to go back to work and I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, you know, I started looking at this life insurance business. Now, bear in mind, I had nothing but good feelings about life insurance. Right. Okay. Uh, I I had read all these books. Right. And, And these books were about, you know, life insurance. They were about sales and they were about life insurance. And and I was like, well, life insurance is a good thing. I could I can. I can do that and it would be noble. And my dad, by the way, uh, my, my real dad was in a car wreck uh, when I was about 10 years old mm. and he was in his late thirties and uh, it didn't kill him, but it disabled him. And he was disabled for about 10 years. And uh, now being in the business, uh, I realize, you know, that a, a lot of people are disabled, but back then, I, you know, I didn't realize it too too much, and that about bankrupted our family. So we we felt that, uh, and then my dad did die. My mother was 
was remarried uh, while I was in college. I got to tell you a little backstory here to catch up. But uh, when my mother remarried, um, uh, my stepdad didn't have a lot of money. He was a policeman. He retired uh, as a policeman. Uh, but when I was in college, again, these companies uh, were recruiting me. I was just out of the, you know, in the book business, basically. And um, this Primerica was real big in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, oh, where yeah. I went to school. Yeah. So the biggest uh, recruiter in the country lived right there. He had played for uh, the Golden Eagles and the Saints. And uh, so they recruited me and they came by the house one night, actually. And they really wanted to see my parents and sell them some life insurance. Right. <laughs> right. And they wanted me to go to work for them, but I didn't go to work for them. But my dad actually bought one of those 30 year, my stepdad, term insurance policies. Right. Yep. Now, um, I got in the business just before that policy uh, ran out uh, and it literally ran out within three months of my being in the business. Okay. And um, so of course he couldn't afford to, to get a new one at that point. Um, So he paid on a policy 30 years. Do you know how much my mother got uh, from that? Zero. 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 It died. uh, It expired uh, a month before he died. He ended up, he had throat cancer and he, he died. So, I tell you those stories wow. because that really put into my heart. Well, man, there's a lot of people out there uh, that don't know anything about life insurance. Uh, and, and at that time, I, I knew nothing about infinite banking. OK, um, but I decided, hey, I want to get into the life insurance business. I said, that'll be a noble profession. I can help people. And, uh, you know, uh, I had learned just what Primaric had taught me about, you know, buy term and invest the difference. But I didn't really know about this whole life stuff other than that that's what people used to own, right? And it, 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 it sounded good. You know, people owned it for years. So anyway, that's how I, uh, I decided to get into the business. There was a company that Zig Ziglar was a spokesperson for. And um, they uh, – so I said, well, hey, I knew a lot about Zig. And if Zig is a spokesperson, then, uh, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up with them. And it turned out to be – kind of a, not the company I wanted to work for. And uh, I eventually, probably about six months into the business, I, I met Nelson face-to-face. Uh, I had just got uh, uh, linked up with a mutual company. But anyway, that's well, uh, how that I got don't, in the business. Don't jump over that. What, you know, how old, you're, how old were you? What, what, what year are we looking at? And how did you meet so, Nelson Nash face-to-face? Yeah, this was probably 2005. I had uh, got the business in uh, uh, 2004 is really when I got licensed. 2003, I started, you know, get getting going. But um, so I got uh, I got licensed with uh, uh, Guardian and learned that that whole you know leap planning, financial planning, right? But uh, I had a client uh, actually that uh, that asked me about this book. He said, "Man, I, I, have you heard of this book?" And I, I had heard of it, and I had. Uh, I had kind of just skimmed over it, but, um, you know, I didn't know much about it. I was like, well, you know, you got to be careful with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff out there, right? And uh, But I was learning about participating dividend paying life insurance, so I was a big advocate. But so I went to this, um, actually, uh, symposium down in Florida, and uh, just by happenstance, I happened, uh, Nelson Nash was there, 
And uh, we sat down at the same table and sat next to him and Mary and just started talking. And it turned out he had a son named Barry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we hit it off. And this man, uh, he was a walking, talking encyclopedia. He knew more about history and the Bible. I could just tell in about a 10 minute initial conversation that I wanted, I was attracted to him and ended up, we sat there and talked uh, after we ate, but that's how I got to know Nelson. And uh, I went back and man, I dove into that book uh, after that. And I went back and talked to my my client that was asking me about it and uh, ended up uh, inviting Nelson down, uh, you know, for a seminar, not too long after that. And, um, you know, back then um, we didn't, uh, you know, have the practitioner program, but uh, Nelson came down and actually, was it you that um, put out that book, um, hosting Nelson for Dummies or something like that? No. <clears throat> no, well, I mean, somebody- I, didn't, I didn't put out a book, but Nelson early on one time, because, you know, we put together a pretty good event. Um, yeah. You know, one time we did 27 events in one year. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, Julie, my sister, was the event coordinator and, but Nelson, early on, he asked, he said, James, you know, can I can I share what you're doing? You know, can you kind of codify what, what it takes to put a program together? And so I don't remember. It wasn't a book, but we put together a list of what you should do, how to do this, yeah. when to do that, when to do this. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you should have books out there available and just different things. So, yeah. Well, you know, know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was those books out. They were black and yellow. Yeah. It says, you can do this for dummies yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. So somebody had, had done a little, maybe it just was the sheet you're talking about. I, I don't know. But uh, I read that. And anyway, I was uh, I was excited to have Nelson. And, and that was the start of it all, uh, getting to know him. Then started going to all the think tanks course. You Did know, you buy policies when you came to town? Did you buy more on yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I own lots of policies and uh, started <laughs> buying them immediately. And so then, yeah. and so you became a member of the Nelson Nash think tank. Back then, you had to have either hosted Nelson. I don't remember what the requirements were to become a member and get an invitation to the think tank. Um, but you, I think we, I'm pretty, I'm quite sure, I'm positive that we met at a think tank, but I don't know which one it was and how far back it was. But Yeah, yeah, that's where we met at the think tank. Um, and, uh, you know, Nelson always uh, talked about you. And so the... Um, the the first time you know it it was I, you said you hosted twenty seven, that's that's a lot, man. I I, I held I hosted fifty events one year myself, but it wasn't these time. It was when I was in that had the skateboard park and we mm. would do something every weekend, right? And it about yeah. killed me. Yeah. So my first seminar, and I don't know what it was like for you, but you know I was just trying to get butts in the seats, right? Yeah. And uh yeah. and I didn't you know there was no cost <clears> to get there, and I was having to pay Nelson and. Uh, pay the expenses and all of that stuff. And I'm new in the business. So, man, I was, I was winging it. Uh, I was like, well, man, this stuff's going to cost me more than it's worth. Uh, but uh, I did it. And I, I'm so glad that I did. And I kept doing it after that. But uh, I got to be clear, imagine. the 27 events, they were not all Nelson. In, in that year, we probably did three or four, hosted Nelson three or four times. But we had right. other speaking engagements, and I was doing retirement seminars prior to meeting Nelson, and so we were still doing right. those. Um, yeah. But it is a lot of work. People don't understand how much work it is, and, you know, and you're, you, you're underwriting the whole thing. You know, you're paying for all the expenses, no matter 
what it is, the hotel, the room, the food, the travel, and you're paying for everything, and there's no guarantees of anything. But, you know, in fact, the uh, the whole basis of capitalism, you know, you're presenting a benefit to the people that are interested, and not everybody's interested, and, uh, and the ones that are and that take advantage of it, you know, it's going to benefit them more than it did you. It's going to benefit them more than it did Nelson. It's going to benefit them and their family more than it did the life insurance company if they purchased life insurance. Um, and so... I, I think you used the word noble earlier, and I agree with that. I think the life insurance industry at its core is a very noble profession. It's a very noble financial uh, product. It's a very noble financial tool, you know, and it serves a clear need and uh, really multiple needs. And that's kind of what Nelson brought to the whole financial world that, you know, just added scale to life insurance and clearly identified and uh, – and, and really codified the idea that your need for finance is greater than your need for death benefit. And if you build policies with that in mind, you're going to wind up with more death benefit than you can get past the underwriters. Oh, my gosh. I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, again, I told you when I uh, first started thinking about getting in this uh, career, uh, I had nothing but praises and just nothing but had heard good stuff about life insurance. So it, it really, it took me back whenever I actually got into the business, started talking to people about these things, uh, how much some people hate life insurance. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, some of these radio personnel, I was like, what in the world do they have against it? I, I just don't understand. And it's so funny, uh, James, and we'll, you know, can elaborate on this if you want, but, you know, I, I tell people all the time uh, because it's so funny uh, we were talking before the, you know, we got started here just about the sensationalism. Uh, people get excited about the stock market, about risking money, right? And I live in a little quiet town uh, on the Gulf Coast here, but you can cross the bridge literally five minutes from here uh, over the bay and you're in Biloxi, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's like the second, third largest uh, uh, casino uh, spot in the country. <laughs> and uh, so I tell people all the time, if you want to gamble with your money, man, you just cross the bridge right there and you can gamble all you want uh, <laughs> at the at the poker tables there, you know? So I, I just don't understand it, uh, this, uh, you know, thing that people have about wanting to risk and, and lose money. I, I You know, I've lost money. Uh, I've lost a lot of money. And I don't like to lose money. It it, it it hurts as you get older, right? It hurts worse, I guess. And so I always ask people, when I first talk, talk, talk to them, I just ask them, have you ever lost any money? And most people have never lost any money. And most people have never had anybody uh, or, you know, they haven't been affected by disability or, you know, most people have had people in their family die, but uh, to have somebody die young or whatnot. And, um, you know, so yes, we do play, um, a, a very important role in people's lives. And uh, I just wish people would, um, you know, maybe uh, open up their, their mind and, and just think a little bit, you know, Nelson was always a uh, big advocate of thinking and that, and, you know, with all that's going on in the uh, markets in the world today, uh, man, you don't have to think too hard to realize that these, these uh, financial institutions uh, and, and government aren't necessarily <laughs> on our side. You know, it's like, uh, 
the middle-aged uh, woman, Karen, you know, they use it in a derogatory way, you know, Karen, don't be a Karen. Um, right. You know, I look at what's going on with the uh, the uh, COVID, you look in the markets, you look around the world and what the central banks are doing and the governments are doing around right. the world. And and it's like the people are have been and they're showing signs of psychological abuse. It's like the Stockholm Absolutely. syndrome. You know, the it abused really um um not deifies but looks up to the abuser, you know, and, right. and become dependent and okay being dependent upon the abuser. It's it's I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but you know, I've been around people a long time and like people and I'm observant. I can I just my heart goes out to him, but I think that that uh, well, what I have done is I never was a big fan of using the word terminology Karen anyway, but right. and now I would never use Karen. I call them Cindy's. They're Stockholm syndrome. They're Stockholm Cindy's. You know, <laughs> right, uh, right. Anyway, so the uh, you met Nelson down in Florida. I mean, you're sitting next to an author of a book that you kind of read because a client gave it to you. I love that. Yeah. And so you can't sit, you can't spend five minutes with, with Nelson Nash without, you know, becoming intrigued. And I right. bet that was the first thing you did was read that book or pretty short order once you got home yeah. Yeah. and you hosted him. And then, and then it was really about trying to get people in the seats back in the day. You know, why should they come? They don't even want to read. Um, but you did it more than once. You hosted him more than once. Right. Oh, yeah, several times, yeah. You know, I have a friend, uh, he's retired, sold his practice in uh, Nacogdoches, Texas, and mm-hmm. he used to, you know him, Ricky Hurd. Oh, yeah. I don't think I violate anything by mentioning his name, but Salt of the Earth, him and his wife and oh, his yeah. family. Yeah, Leslie, yeah, yep. love them all. They, uh, <clears throat> you know, they hosted Nelson, you know, an awful lot, and, and I would go down there a couple of times, and we were talking one time, this is several years ago, and now this man is had a thriving PNC business in Nacogdoches, Texas. I don't, right. I mean, I would think that most of the people in that town, the oldest town in Texas, one of them, would have to know who Ricky Hurd is. Right? Oh, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> one time he was hosting Nelson, we had a conversation after him, like, Ricky, how'd it go? He said, James... Not one person showed up. I'm like, no way. He said, yeah, it wasn't a problem. He said, my daughter got to spend nine hours or eight hours with Nelson Nash one-on-one. Wow. He said, "That's awesome. I would do that again, Worth and, again every, and again. Every penny, yeah. And so we never, we never had that experience where no one showed up, but we had the experience that you know, only eight or nine showed up. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of disheartening until you – until you you know just realize what's really go is what 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 is really going on and the people that want to be there will be there and the people who don't want to be there won't be there and that that's perfect you only want the people who want to be there and want to hear you know nelson right you know as you know said it was more caught than taught and um you you almost you mentioned losing money you almost have to have had lost money or had a bad experience with you know, third-party lenders or creditors. And if you have, if you've had a bad experience and you stay in the, you be dependent upon the third-party financial uh, 
industry or the third-party lenders in the financial industry long enough, and you'll have a bad experience, in my opinion, whatever oh, yeah. that looks like. But sure. if you've lost money, if you've been beholden to the third-party banker and you read Nelson's book, it will resonate with you quickly or yes. repulse you. And I'm cool either way, you know? Right. I love it. Exactly. But, you know, we had lots of uh, seminars, too, where we'd have 50, 60, 70 people in the room. You know, and you didn't do anything different putting it together. And so, you know, we just did the work in front of us and got to meet cool people. So, yeah. How many think tanks did you have the opportunity to attend? Do you know? Well, um, I was just looking, actually, I've got uh, most of the DVDs and uh, they date back to 2007. Um, So, and, you know, of course, we used to have two a year. Yeah. Uh, so I went to I went to all of them uh, until, you know, they started doing them one a year. And I think I, I missed one. Uh, but it's been a lot. I, I, I You might remember several years ago, uh, David had people stand up, you know. And so it, it was, you know, in the teens, uh, however many that I've been to. But uh, Perfect. I quit counting. Yeah, I love it. I always enjoyed it. You know, when I was a sponge, I was new in the business. You got to understand. Yeah. First time I went, my mind was blown because they took Nelson's idea. I mean, the first time I went there and I saw some of these people talking about trading options and this and that, and you know, we'll, maybe we can talk about all the stuff that's going on these days, but it just blew my mind, right? So uh, I just dove into it and started learning. And, and then and then Nelson had come back and kind of put me in my place and say, look, it doesn't have to be this complicated, right? It's, uh, it, uh, it's pretty simple. <laughs> and that, that, that's kind of my approach. I love simple. Keep it simple. That That's yeah. really my approach to everything. People want to you know, take things and always uh, add to it, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but uh, I like to keep it keep it pretty simple. Yep, I agree. <clears throat> he, Nelson made it well. He made the same comment several times. He's, you know, we listen to a presentation or whatever, talk about a presentation here or there, and he would say, "Man, if you need all those squiggly lines to convey this idea, you're doing something wrong." Something <laughs> wrong, exactly. Yeah. Well, I know that. Uh, well, this year, 2021, the think tank was virtual. Right. And we were experienced snowed here in Texas. And I live out in the country, and the Wi-Fi didn't exist. So I didn't, you know, get to attend. I think I was logged in maybe 30 minutes the entirety of, you know, in the entire time. 30 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. But uh, so I missed it. But in 2020, you presented, I believe it was 2020, yeah. And, uh, you know, I presented as well. And you don't really get to hear everybody. I mean, the way they set it up, it, they tried to give the attendees the opportunity to not miss anyone. Right. Um, but I had the uh, opportunity. And I mean, I wasn't missing yours come hell or high water. So I sit in ah, on yours. Well, and you did you. an outstanding job. Very simple. Thank you. Very simple. And so do you have that like available for your clients on your website or? Do you do anything with that or you just, you know, for the benefit of the the practitioners, which is noble and worthy? But um, th- that particular um, talk, I, I don't share that with clients because it was it was geared with agents uh, and all as well. I, I but it. I do. That's the same uh, basic talk that I give to my clients. 
So, uh, yes, it's available. I've, I've made videos. It really, it's it's pretty simple, uh, James. It's just <laughs> very powerful. I mean, that yeah, was like yeah. a case study to me. It, it was. I, I showed uh, different cases of clients, and I, I found that older people, and I'm one of them, people over 50, uh, just have a different outlook uh, on their money than people in their in their 30s, right? And so when I first got in the business, uh, you know, most of my clients were in their uh, 30s and 40s. Uh, but as I progressed uh, and started talking more about retirement, and of course, Nelson didn't really like that word, you know, he called it passive income time. Right. And so that's what uh, I started teaching people about. And um, uh, just using infinite banking later, because, you know, what's the first uh, thing that when you talk to somebody in their 50s and 60s uh, about it, uh, what do they usually say? I'm too old. I'm too old. I should have started that 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. And so so Nelson would always do the oak tree thing. Well, you know, if you uh, when's the best time to plant oak tree. Right. And uh, well, it's it's yesterday, today, <laughs> 20 years ago. Right. So uh, that's the approach that I took. So I would just show them how to use it, how they could crank up a policy and then actually use it for cash flow uh, later on uh, in life in their 60s and 70s. So they don't run out of money, which uh, and they don't have to depend on the stock market and they don't have to uh, necessarily get caught up in that. And they can shift their assets. You know, when they're 60, 59 and a half, they can start moving those things without penalty. They're going to pay the taxes anyway. And so if they just want to put it uh, in a safe place, uh, uh, you can see up here my tax-free buckets up there. Is that uh, what those are? Yeah, yeah. So tax, Taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free. I mean, I can't see they, that far. I can't, yeah, you know. That's it. That's basically, yeah. yeah. Tax me now, tax me later. Tax uh, me again, Uncle free, Sam, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Cindy syndrome. Right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, that's. Uh, it just depends on who I'm talking to, but uh, uh, it's just a simple way to actually, you know, all of Nelson's examples in the book show uh, taking money out later, but I don't think people really grasp it because they're, uh, they're looking at financing things, right? And uh, the vehicles and the log trucks and things of that nature. And so when you actually look at it, uh, you know, for income, for cash flow, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a little different. And, yeah. um, you know, Nelson always liked to talk about business in his seminars, right? And so he, he would ask, Is there, are there any business owners here, right? And, and business owners tend to get this concept uh, a little bit better than people that that work, you know, for wages uh, because they're used to profits and expenses and things of that nature, right? And they understand cash flow a little bit. So, um, you know, uh, but but on the same token, uh, being a business owner for, you know, 35 going on 40 years now almost, um, you know, business owners are can be a little unorganized and uh don't don't like to keep records all the time and this and that so it's uh it can get convoluted if you want it to but it really doesn't have to be it's just about a place to store money and a place to access money uh whether it be for business finance and or just for cash flow and retirement you know i i agree i think simplicity is a virtue you know, complexity is what it is, but the more complex something is, the more fragile it is. And it really doesn't have to be complicated. Um, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be quote unquote dumbed down either. I mean, there's, right. but it's very yeah. simple. Um, yeah. 
and very powerful. I think most people today are, Nelson said it, it's where I got it, I repeat it. It's like most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misunderstanding or misconception yeah. of life insurance. That's yeah. so true today. And when you look at life insurance, dividend paying whole life insurance by a mutual company that hopefully has no uh, no intentions of demutualizing, I won't go into that, but uh, very powerful when you compare right. it to everything else that you can do or most people do in the financial world. And everything we do in life is going to be compared to what other people are doing. Wow. And if they're going backwards and we're going forwards, we're twice ahead of them. So our conversation went a little long, so we're going to cut it here, make two parts out of it. So we had fun. Hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.